I spent a lot of time with friends and joined any group or organization I could get my hands on. There came a point where I was having so much fun, I didn't really have time to think about that. I would see him and wave. I was not ready to be friends with him yet, and I don't know if I can ever be that close to him again. I'm still healing, and I'll probably still be healing for a long time. But I know I didn't just cover a big wound with a Band-Aid and forget about it. I let the wound heal itself and felt enough pain to know that I truly cared for him. In my rebound stage, I pursued a lot of guys. Once I healed, they pursued me. I'm in a new relationship now, and we will eventually break up, and it will be hard, and I will cry and feel just as much, if not more, pain. But I had to ask myself if never caring for someone so I wouldn't feel that hurt was worth it. I know now that the famous quote is true. To love and to have lost is better than to have never loved at all. Because no matter what, loving yourself can heal anything. Soulmates by Fran Lebb I have often told my daughter Lauren the story of how her father and I met and our courtship. Now that she is 16 years of age, she is concerned because she realizes that her soulmate might be sitting next to her in a class or might even ask her for a date and she is not quite ready to make the same commitment her parents made years ago. I met Mike on October 9, 1964. Our shy eyes met from across the patio at our friend Andrea's party. We smiled and eventually found ourselves in a conversation that lasted the entire evening to the exclusion of everyone else. I was 11 and he was 12. We went steady three days later, which ended after a somewhat tumultuous month. Back we went to our single preteen lives. Months later, Mike still invited me to his lavish bar mitzvah and even asked me to dance. Years later, Mike told me that despite my braces, my skinny legs, and my flipped hair, he thought I was beautiful. Mike and I had many mutual friends and were in the same social group at school, so our paths constantly crossed throughout the next few years. Every time I would break up with a boyfriend or have my heart broken by another, my mom would always say, don't worry, you're going to end up with Mike Lab." I would scream, never, why would you think such a thing? She would remind me how often his name would come up in my conversations and what a nice guy he was. Finally, 10th grade arrived and our high school years began. The school was busting with new cute guys and I was ready. However, it was the same time Mike started dating my best friend, which was slowly driving me crazy. Somehow we would find ourselves talking and flirting outside the gym every day while waiting for our buses. I will never forget the navy blue penny loafers he wore. Nobody else I knew had such great shoes. My mother's words would come to my mind, but I still wanted to erase them. By the summer after 10th grade, Mike and I had spent more time together in the company of his girlfriend, also known as my best friend, and others. Suddenly, Mike left for a summer Spanish program in Mexico, and I found I really missed seeing him. When he returned in August, he called and came by my home. He was so adorable with his tan skin and worldly demeanor. He still couldn't speak a word of Spanish, but he looked so good. It was August 19, 1968, when we looked at each other outside my home and realized we had to be together. Of course, we would have to wait until after the date I had that night with another guy. I told my date that I was going to start dating Mike, so I had to be home early. Mike then told his on-again, off-again girlfriend it was off-again for good. We kept our relationship our little secret until we could proudly announce it at the next party. We walked in late together and boldly told all of our friends that we were officially a couple. Not a soul seemed surprised as they uttered, finally. 
After graduation from high school, I went about 360 miles away to college. I lasted 10 weeks before I transferred to a closer college to be near Mike. On June 18, 1972, we were wed. I was 19 and Mike was 20. We set up our love nest and married housing while we both finished our college degrees. I became a special education teacher while Mike went on to medical school. Now, after almost 25 years, two children, a mortgage, and many adventures, we are looking forward to experiencing the next 25. First Love by Mary Ellen Clee Truly loving another means letting go of all expectations. It means full acceptance, even celebration of another's personhood. Karen Casey Michael and I were never really boyfriend and girlfriend. He was three and a half years older than I, which was a lot when I still didn't need to wear a bathing suit top. We grew up around the pool and tennis courts of a country club. He was an excellent tennis player with sure, calm strides and a powerful stroke. When I had to take time out from swimming and diving because my lips had turned blue, I sat on the slopes wrapped in a towel and watched the matches. Later in the day, the guys would come to the pool and hoist the girls on their shoulders for water fights. I liked it best on Michael's shoulders, which were broad. I felt safe. At 16, his parents allowed him to drive during the day, and he often brought me home in his gray Dodge. The autumn after I turned 14, he began to ask if I wanted to go to a late afternoon movie with him. I said yes, but then would get this jumpy feeling in my stomach and change my mind. His dark eyes looked into me, which both pleased and frightened me. Gradually, I stayed longer in his car, talking about things that troubled me. My older sister had lots of boyfriends, and although I worshipped her, she mostly didn't want anything to do with me. Then there were the intrigues around who was dating whom and which friends I trusted and why. A lot of my pain centered around my relationship with my parents, who had divorced when I was 11 and remarried when I was 13. I didn't know anyone else with a broken family, and I felt ashamed and unsure of myself, like I wasn't as good as the other kids. I could talk with Michael about all this. He was reassuring, and I began to trust him. As time passed, I was ready to go to the movies with him. We also enjoyed hanging out at my house, where we would go down to the television room in the basement. I loved to watch TV with Michael so that I could cuddle with him on the couch. We were a strange pair. He loved sports while I loved the arts. My sister and others made fun of his sports obsession. I guess I would have preferred it if everyone thought he was cool or if he'd been more artistic, but no one else cared about me the way he did. When he kissed me for the first time, we were at his house during a thunderstorm, watching a baseball game on television. I ran up to my sister's room when I got home. I must have looked goofy as I stood in her doorway and announced, Michael kissed me. So, she said, was that the first time? Yeah, I nodded. What have you guys been doing all this time, she asked. Michael dated other girls, and I went out with other boys, but I hated their sweaty palms and was horrified when a blind date tried to put his tongue in my mouth. Only Michael understood that I needed to move slowly, and he was always very patient with me. Even though Michael reassured me many times that our relationship was special by saying, it doesn't matter whether or not I have a girlfriend or you have a boyfriend. I will always be there for you. I still got jealous when I saw him interested in someone else. Michael got engaged to a girl from out of town when I was 19. 
I was the only unmarried, unrelated girl at the wedding. As the bride and groom said goodbye to everyone and were leaving the hotel, Michael came over to me and kissed me on the cheek. I love you, he said. He remained true to his word. When I needed to talk to someone, he was there. I got jealous sometimes when I thought of him loving and being romantic with his wife, but that changed as she and I became friends. I moved across the country and only saw Michael occasionally at the club when I returned to visit my family. Now we sat at the pool and watched his kids swimming. Our lives were very different. I thought I probably wouldn't have much more than a half hour's worth of conversation to share with him, but I always felt a current of love go through me when I saw him. My father died when I was 38. The morning before his funeral, as I was walking up the street, I thought to myself, I wonder if Michael knows. We hadn't seen each other or spoken for years. After the service, as I was talking with the many friends and family that had come for the funeral, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around and saw those dark eyes. Are you all right, he asked. I nodded, putting both hands on my shoulders. He held me, looking into my eyes. No one had ever understood the bond between us. I'm not sure that we did, but it was, and it is, still there. Chapter 2 on Friendship Some people come into our lives and quickly go. Some stay for a while and leave footprints on our hearts. And we are never, ever the same. Author Unknown Always Return Your Phone Calls by Author Anonymous All You Need Is Love John Lennon Angela knew that her best friend Charlotte, who was 15, was having a rough time.